Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, February 9th, 2024. We are two days away from Super Bowl Sunday. Honestly, an American holiday uh, in my mind. Unfortunately, we, uh, we don't get the day off of work the next day. Uh, but there is 13 days till the first spring training game. And... Um, Things kind of happening all around. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's the it's the perfect turnaround. We get like a two it, week it break, and then baseball ramps up. It's awesome. Um, got a couple of young guys getting paid in the MLB. Bobby Witt, woo, big extension. I believe it was 11 years. Uh, and then Vlad Guerrero got a record number in arbitration. He's making some ridiculous amount of money next year. Um. Let me pull this up real quick because I don't remember the number. Um, but it is absurd, the money that he just got. Yeah, he won $19.9 million in arbitration, um, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, previously, the highest awarded hearing was $14 million for Teoscar Hernandez last year. Wow. Crazy. Interesting. And for me and the viewers, could you remind what arbitration means? Yeah, so there's a part of MLB contracts where uh, I think typically um, it's more popular for young guys. So, like, with arbitration, it's all based on, like, your rookie contract and when it's about to end. But I believe it's going into the final year of your uh, contract. Um, Arbitration, if you don't know what arbitration is in general... um, it's essentially like some there's a panel of people the team and the players representation both kind of pitch why the player should make this much money mm-hmm. and then the three the you know three person panel picks who won essentially oh. it's very interesting okay. uh it's a good way for a a player to make a lot of money b player to get his feelings hurt by his organization and see uh, a, a good way to e- uh, correctly value players while they're still under contract. That's interesting. So the team, so does the team pitch why they shouldn't have to pay kind that of. player that much money? Kind of. Yeah. That's kind of weird. <laughs> That's a weird dynamic. Yeah. I think for the most part, the team is, uh, you know, obviously I'm not listening to these hearings, um, but it, it's um, it's weird because, yeah, it sounds like the team would be like, well, he shouldn't be making this much money because this, this, and this. It's very weird to do. Um, but at the same time, if they go first, they lay out all the reasons, and then the player gets the chance to be like, well, I should be making this much. Um, but also, like, Plenty of people just agree on a number before arbitration happens, and then they just void arbitration. So Mm. it's very interesting. Um, But nonetheless, let's go ahead and uh, let's talk a little bit about Super Bowl week before we get into, you know, the meat and potatoes. um, Let's go through some of our favorite moments from Super Bowl week. Not specifically something like a play in the game or a team winning, but like newsworthy things that happen. I'm going to start with one that's kind of still ongoing, and it's 
kind of Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports fighting against the NFL and Roger Goodell. This started years ago with Dave Portnoy essentially getting like blackballed from media day. And they just will not let anybody from Barstool Sports into NFL Media Day anymore. Obviously, it has to do with, um, you know, the, the the Brady Four, which was four Barstool employees, including Dave Portnoy, that handcuffed themselves to each other and sat in the middle of the NFL offices uh, to uh, to uh, protest uh, Deflategate, um, which then led to Roger Goodell's hatred of Barstool Sports, and in particular, Dave Portnoy, who... Snuck in to a Super Bowl, not snuck in, he bought a ticket, got into a Super Bowl despite being on like a band list uh, with a fake mustache on. And then they found out he was there and they, he literally just like collapsed when the security tried to pick him up and they just like dragged him through the stadium. Uh, I believe that was at the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Um, they dragged him through the stadium and put him in like the little like stadium jail, <laughs> but God. it is a legendary video of him getting dragged out of the stadium. So that was, that's definitely one of my all time favorites. Um, I would, I would say I, I can remember vividly a lot of the halftime shows, not, not necessarily like sports related, but, um, I can remember Madonna's very well, very well where, um, uh, if you go back and watch her Super Bowl halftime, um, MIA flicks off the camera and they yeah. tried to blur the camera, um, but they completely missed it. Like she flicks off the camera and then it blurs. And yeah. that was, uh, that was pretty hilarious. Um, uh, I remember uh, a really weird. Th- this is weird to remember, but um, do you remember Super Bowl Fifty being out west and that yeah. game like being at like daytime when it was nighttime here? For some reason, I vividly can remember that <laughs> Super Bowl. Super Bowl Fifty was, was sick. Uh, like the hype was. leading into that Super Bowl. Uh, final score sucked. It was all defense, yeah. and the Patriots, <laughs> the Panthers, were ass. But I vividly remember the lead up being so epic because it was. Yeah the 50th Super Bowl. Yeah. And it was like Peyton Manning before his retirement. Yeah. The gold was all over the place for that one. Yeah. That was six gold garlic knots from Domino's for that game. (laughs) I remember that too. That's crazy. Uh, I got a couple more that I, I really like, obviously, you know, I've kind of done my research and I've heard of moments and such. This one is definitely one that sticks with me. So in 1979, uh, Cowboys linebacker Thomas Hollywood Henderson uh, <laughs> was talking about Terry Bradshaw and um, particularly about particularly about how intelligent he was or maybe not intelligent he was. Uh, <laughs> he said he couldn't spell cat if you spotted him the C and the A. <laughs> and then they lost. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Bradshaw threw four touchdowns and um and then Henderson after the game said I didn't say he couldn't play I just said that he couldn't spell <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's awesome. a good one like and then that. um in I believe yeah 1999 when the Falcons made it to the Super Bowl the only or the, the first time ever I try to say the only but I know it's not um <laughs> uh cornerback Ray Buchanan uh was very intent on uh, proving that the Falcons didn't mind being underdogs uh, versus the Broncos. And he actually wore a dog collar to media day and then proceeded to just rip 
like rip Shannon Sharp a new one. And just like he called wow. him an ugly dude who looked like Mr. Ed, uh, obviously being the uh, anthropomorphized horse, uh, Mr. Ed. Uh, and then that led to quite the back and forth where Shannon Sharp then said, is he my friend? No. Did I ever view him as a friend? No. Did I ever view him as an acquaintance? No. Do I like him? No. If I see him in a snowstorm, his trucks broke down. Mine's going perfectly. Do I pick him up? No. <laughs> so that's a, a, a solid. Yeah, Shannon Sharp is the best. Shout out uh, Unk. Shout out Shay Shay. Whatever you want to call him. I love Shannon yeah. Sharp. So, oh my! Speaking of Shan- Shannon Sharp, him and Ocho Cinco. Oh my God! The night podcast? the nightcap is genuinely perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. That, that's I watch it while I'm. I always watch it when I'm like um, editing the episodes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. prime in like <laughs> entertainment and in and in a, a ridiculous insight into the lives of former NFL players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The things Too that I have outgoing. heard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you want just the best entertainment, I watched a compilation of the funniest things Shannon Sharp has said on that show. It's ridiculous. Dude, the one where he hooked up with that girl and she passed gas and he said, Oh, it's okay, baby. I usually make them shit. Yeah. And- Incredible, and you can tell Ocho and Shannon are on the same wavelength because yep. Ocho loses his mind, and Deion Sanders is just like, "What? What, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you people?" <laughs> yeah, it's it's oh, very man. funny to see like those two interact with like. Obviously, Dion is not a regular person, but like somebody that doesn't <laughs> act like that, to see <laughs> them two interact, and then that. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Like the it. only way that that show could get more crazy, horny, <laughs> anything. Yeah. Add Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> oh my goodness! Stephen A. has been killing it. Him and Shannon are literally dominating media right now. Like I watched oh, yeah. a video for about five minutes of Stephen A. Smith uh, being asked who wins in a fight, Stuart Little or Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> and then, first of all, his name's Remy. <laughs> and second of all, yep. Stephen pronounces it Ratatouille the whole time. <laughs> it's, of course. It's hilarious. These guys are killing oh, it. So, yeah, I didn't think we'd be doing this, but shout out the Nightcap and shout out Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> For sure. Well, today, in the actual content of the episode, of course, we are previewing Super Bowl 58, the big game, if we had advertisers. Uh, we have our top five relief pitchers slash closing pitchers from 2023. Of course, Premier League weekend. I know Luke is interested to see what Chelsea's next move is after a huge win uh-huh. against Aston Villa. Yeah. Um, we, of course, have the Champions League round of 16, week one, next week. We've got straight up. A month, a month straight of Champions League action, and I am so excited for it. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we'll round it out with questions time, which Nathan was slacking on this week. <laughs> got it in. <laughs> Literally, we had to delay the recording so that he could make sure he got it in in time. He got them, so, so we're chilling there. And they're not bad questions. I already screened them. So, without further ado, Luke, let's talk about Super Bowl 58. Let's do it. All right. Let's uh, kind of set the scene 
Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas, Nevada, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS and Nickelodeon, if you please. Uh, But um, Chiefs versus 49ers. Niners a a one-and-a-half point favorite over under 47-and-a-half. National Anthem, Miss Reba McIntyre, a legend. Halftime show, Usher. Kind of underwhelming. I got to be honest. It's kind of underwhelming. Last year we had Rihanna. The year before that, we had that crazy, crazy group with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Eminem and Kendrick, Kendrick. and mm-hmm. I think Missy Elliott as well. Yeah. It was yeah. a ridiculous crop. Like, that was legendary. But Yeah, for so, sure. So, yeah, I think, I think Usher is a little underwhelming. It almost seems like they couldn't get Taylor Swift. <laughs> She's going to um, be there, but... Not on the field. No, but I, I, I've seen Usher live uh, just a little bit before, like in clips and stuff. Okay, I, I thought you were about show. to say that you've been to an Usher concert, and I was going to have so many questions. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Um, but, you know, Usher, who knows? What if we get, yeah, what if Lil John? If Lil John shows up for, yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> Bringing the A-Town to Vegas. Yeah. I, I, dude, I would love that. But um, no, Usher's a really good live performer. Um, it, it does kind of seem underwhelming. Yeah. You know, he really hasn't been popular as of late, but I am I think he's going to do great. I think it's going to be fun. I hope so. I, I always hope that there's a good halftime show. Um, obviously, another big thing is commercials. Um, any Super Bowl commercial that maybe a company, you're hoping you'll see a good commercial out of this year. Um, so I've already seen the commercial and I think I may have sent it to you, but, um, it's really interesting to see how, you know, since Messi has moved to enter Miami, how they're trying to Americanize him. Yeah. He has a sick Michelob ultra commercial with, uh, Jason Sudeikis and Dan Marino. I cannot wait to watch that one again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a great commercial and he loves not speaking English. It's his favorite thing to do. <laughs> it's a joke at this point. I yeah, like, I I think I'm convinced he's fluent in English and doesn't want anybody to know. Yeah, I am too. Literally, the closest, 100%. the the only word I think he even says in the commercial is "no" and Michelob. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Otherwise, oh, it's just a CGI soccer ball rolling in front of him uh, for the yeah. rest of the commercial. Um, yeah, I you know. I've always been looking forward to Super Bowl commercials. I never really cared about Super Bowl commercials. I thought it was cool that it's such this huge like deal. Um, but Puppy Monkey Baby was one of my favorites ever. Oh, um, man. Uh, that was my go-to favorite Super Bowl commercial. It's the creepiest creature I have ever seen. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but... In the past couple of years, I've really turned my attention to the emotional commercials. They're always so good. Like Budweiser always has a great commercial. Um, A lot of the car companies do really good commercials. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what, uh, you know, what we'll get this year. But uh, let's talk about the actual football. Chiefs, 49ers. If the. Okay, let's let's start with keys to victory. What do the Chiefs need to do to win? Um, I like attacking Chase Young via Isaiah Pacheco. Um, Chase Young really throughout 
the time he's been traded kind of really ever since his injury um, has been a liability in the run game. He kind of gets fucked. Um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, Isaiah Pacheco can definitely be a workhorse. He's, you know, all, all of all of this season, he's been deemed as probably the hardest runner um, in the NFL. And I, I think that can be one key to victory. And then the other key to victory for the Chiefs on the other side of the ball, I would say, is Karlaftis and Chris Jones. What kind of pressure can you get to put on Brock Purdy, to put on Christian McCaffrey? Um, yeah, that, that's really, I think, my two key to victories for the Chiefs win. And also, the Chiefs have a great secondary. I, I would like to see a turnover or two, an interception. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I really like what you had to say about attacking Chase Young. That's a fantastic thing to do. They need to make sure, like, the Chiefs need to know that Pacheco is safe. That's yeah. that's how you need to use him is for safety. And if, you know, God forbid Pat Mahomes isn't throwing the ball perfectly like he often does, you have Isaiah Pacheco. And I think... Last year, they did a good job of going to him, and throughout this season, they've done a good job of, if things aren't working, use Pacheco to regain momentum, and um, let me tell you, that little guy's got a lot of momentum. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think Pacheco is definitely the key. Obviously, don't drop passes. Uh, duh. Um, I think, you know, Travis Kelsey's going to get the works thrown at him. Um, oh, yeah. Find MVS for a big play. That that seems to have been a very successful route is finding MVS, who certainly this year has had his fair share of drops in really bad times uh, on big plays a lot. But in these playoffs, he's been pretty solid. So find MVS on big plays for sure. Uh, and Pat Mahomes is going to have to do something with his legs this year. I think that's going to be yeah. a big deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... Look, there's a lot, obviously, that needs to happen outside of that. A uh, big thing for the defense, keep an eye on Brock Purdy. Because when they get into situations where it is, where there's the ability for him to run, he will run, and he's going to make you regret leaving him there. Send Nick Bolton at him. Like, that's a great thing to do, <laughs> is leave a linebacker over the middle to just be there for Brock Purdy. At least limit the damage to five yards. Um, you know, don't let him run out for first downs. Don't let him, you know, everybody's downfield. Okay. I'm going to go pick up 13, 15 yards. Like he's done a very good job of that and he only does it when he needs to. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be a big thing on the defensive side for the chiefs is limiting Brock Purdy on the ground. Yeah, for sure. Because, um, I, what I've seen pretty much all throughout the season for in 49er games is, there really hasn't been a single defense that is game plan for those Brock Purdy runs because yeah. they're they're so few, but they're so effective. Like Brock Purdy's the kind of quarterback that you know all the defense they're in nickel, right? So there's extra defensive backs and not extra people in the box. And Brock Purdy on like third and thirteen will go pick up fifteen. Yeah, and like a third and thirteen being picked up in a Super Bowl via a quarterback just scrambling out on a broken play is killer as far as momentum goes. Yeah. So the Chiefs, I, I really like how you pointed that out because Brock Purdy isn't a runner, but when he does, he's just he really is effective. So they really need to limit that um, because, like, on third and thirteen, you know, either force him to make a throw down the field, or if he tries to run, go get him. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I you know, I, I think with the Super Bowl in particular, momentum is such a big deal because it's yes. not a home game for anybody. 
obviously everybody's got fans in the stands, but it's as neutral as the neutral site gets. And I, I think when it comes to momentum, you got to create it yourself. You can't rely on the crowd to hype you up because half the crowd's booing you. Or sorry, a quarter of the crowd's booing you, a quarter of the crowd's cheering you on, and half the crowd is rich people that are really drunk. So, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't play a factor. You need to motivate yourselves, and big plays motivate these players. So, I, I liked it. Um, you talked about momentum. Let's talk about the 49ers side. I think offensively, the biggest thing, and it's so obvious, is put the ball in Christian McCaffrey's hands. Steve Steve Spagnuolo has done a great job with this Chiefs defense. They still struggle against the run. Christian McCaffrey is the kind of running back that will kill them. And uh, because, look, last week, or it's not last week, two weeks ago against the Ravens, you knew that Lamar would run the ball sometimes. And you knew that you have the defensive line to stop Gus Edwards from getting anything. But you go back the week before that, they couldn't stop Josh Allen. They couldn't stop James Cook. So what says you can stop Christian McCaffrey? Because Christian McCaffrey and James Cook are a little more similar than McCaffrey and Gus Edwards. James yes. Cook, much more versatile, much more big play, um, much more going out in the flat, catching the ball. Christian McCaffrey is going to be a guy that just runs and runs and runs. I wouldn't be surprised if he has over 30 carries in this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if Brock Purdy only throws for about 200, 250 yards. Yeah, um, that's a good point because uh, with Christian McCaffrey, you know, you don't have to take those chances down the field all the time. He is a 80% of the time safe option to go to, I would say. Yep. Um, but, you know, the, the Chiefs do have that good defense, so maybe they come out with a really good game plan for him. And I think if that happens, my key for the 49ers would be to spread the ball more uh, via the pass game. So I feel like a lot of the times you have a very top-heavy um, offense where it's either Debo, Brandon Ayuk, or both of them, and Kittle might get like three receptions. I'd like to see more of a spread for the 49ers. Yeah. Um, and and defensively, just I, I don't really know. I mean, just I yeah. guess do what you've been doing all year long, but it's I mean it's the Chiefs, though. I know that that's not really a good key to victory, but um, they're just going to have to uh, I really actually. OK, I'll narrow it down. I'm blabbling right now. Linebacker play. Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner are what are going to are the people that are going to win you the game on defense. Yeah. Is what I would say. Yeah, um, I, I think Traverius Ward certainly has his claim there as well. There's a lot riding on this for Traverius Ward. He was on the winning side of this matchup back in 2020 with the Chiefs. Yeah. Now he gets the chance to beat the Chiefs with the team that he beat. Like this is this yeah. is an interesting thing for Javarius Ward and he's been amazing all year. Um I love his game. He is so intense. He's a classic shit talker. Like I love Javarius Ward's game. I think he's going to match up well against these wide receivers. I, I would assume he's going to be all over Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And that bodes well for the 49ers. Yes. For sure, because, I mean, it's weird. Um, definitely the best defense Patrick Mahomes has ever had, but as far as offense, it's probably the worst. Definitely. I mean, they they finally have their running back, but they don't really have any wide receivers. Um, yeah, Rashi Rice has think... been good. I'll give them that. Yeah. Rashi Rice has been good, but he certainly had his struggles throughout the year as well. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, you know, we we've seen the Chiefs' offense kind of, you know, take a a, a more like pioneer stance on tight ends getting more of the ball um, than wide receivers, and and that's worked before. But we've seen it a couple times in the regular season where Travis Kelsey has kind of been a little bit quiet. So, I mean, probably won't happen in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's playoffs, Travis yeah. Kelsey. There's really no. He's probably one of the best playoff players of all time. Probably the best playoff tight end of all time, I yeah. would say, over Gronk. Yeah, I would give I, it to him. I feel like uh, another key for the 49ers is play Travis Kelsey over the top. Let him get stuff underneath because, honestly, he's he has aged, and I, I don't think people really talk about that a lot. Like He's in the back half of his career, and he's not as fast, and he's not as good at breaking tackles anymore. Let him, like, allow him the underneath. Let Travis Kelsey have 10 receptions for, like, 45 yards. That's yeah. fine. But it's when you let him get into open space and when you let him, you know, get a reception over 10 yards where he starts to hurt you. You can let them slowly move up the field with Kelsey, but you're going to be way more worried if you're letting him get over you. 100%. Um. So, yep. yeah, I, I think this game's going to be fantastic. Um. I want to go through a couple of player props before we get into uh, the game. Um, so I'm pulling up ESPN bet right now to look at some props. And um, what what the hell? There we go. Uh, player props right here. Actually, you know what? Let's start with the fun ones, the novelty bets, uh, the coin toss, heads or tails. Tails, always. Tails, yep. Tails, plus 100, actually. Um, will there be a two-point conversion attempted? What do you think? I'm going to go with no. I don't think it's going to be that th- close by the end. I think there might be. Okay. I, I feel like the, the 49ers and the Chiefs are a unique group of teams that can play super aggressive if yeah. they need to. So I'm saying no, which is very much against the the uh, pattern. Uh, yes has hit um, in 10 straight Super Bowls and 17 of the past 18. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely in the minority on that one. Um, this one's in- a very interesting novelty bet. Uh, the jersey number of the first touchdown scorer over under 22 and a half. So over um, includes players like Christian McCaffrey, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, but Ayuk, Debo, uh, Rashi Rice, Patrick Mahomes, and Brock Purdy are all under 22 and a half. Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco under 22 and a half. It's, it's an interesting bet. It's a tough one to go for. Oh, wow. That one is pretty good. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the <laughs> under on that one. Okay, I'm going over because yeah. I think McCaffrey's going to be the first touchdown scorer. So I'm going to go over 22 and a half on that one. And then um, we got one more novelty bet. The shortest touchdown scored over or under one and a half yards. One and a half. Yeah. Over. Okay. So you think there's going to be one touchdown scored under, uh, sorry. The shortest touchdown scored will be over one and a half yards. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Got it. Yep. Uh, there has been a one-yard touchdown in four straight Super Bowls in seven of the last eight. So I'm going to go for the wow. under. Um. All right. 
player props, passing yards. Patrick Mahomes over under two sixty and a half. Um, this is a different Patrick Mahomes this year. I'm going to go under. Okay, Brock Purdy's line twenty four or sorry two forty eight and a half. I'm definitely smashing the under. Over. Really? Okay. Yes. Okay. Over for me. Uh, let's get to. Yeah, let's go for total rushing yards. Christian McCaffrey over under ninety and a half. Wow. That one's really tough. That is really tough. I think um, it's over because of volume. He's gonna get so many carries. Uh yeah, I'll side with you on that one. Uh over. Pacheco over under sixty eight and a half. Over. Got it. Uh, let's go longest rush. Uh, Chris McCaffrey over under 17 and a half. I could see him. Uh, over. Over. Okay. Isaiah Pacheco over under 15 and a half. I'm definitely taking the over on that. Yeah. Over again. Uh, what about Brock Purdy? Eight and a half longest rush. I, I would definitely take over. He's going to have one play that just gets broken. And he runs. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for the under. I, I think, uh, you know, obviously it's it's a it's a leave it all out there, you know, on the field kind of game. But I think he's going to be a little bit more conservative uh, of his body. Um, look, he's played a lot of fucking games this year. <laughs> yeah. He also knows what it's like to get hurt in a playoff game. Definitely. Um, let's go one more prop that we'll look at. Let's go for player sacks. Uh, Chris Jones over under a half sack. Under. Got it. What about Nick Bosa? Over See, under a is half. Is it still a half? Yeah, everybody's actually everybody's line is at a half. Um. I don't know. Mahomes is hard to sack. I'm gonna go under again. Okay. What about George Karlaftis? I'm gonna give him the over. Okay. And then finally, Javon Hargrave. Under. All right. Well, that's uh, all the picks for the props. So uh, if you can bet, go ahead and bet. Um, all right. Our final decision, our Super Bowl 58 pick. Oh, Who you man. got? Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm never going to pick against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Damn. I, I've really decided that. I, Yeah, and if the 49ers win, they'll tie us in Super Bowl wins. So um, I'm going to go Chiefs 28-24. Okay. <sighs> I got to go with the 49ers. I, yeah, I, I can't go otherwise. I can't tell myself to just pick the Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes. I, I. There's too many reasons for me to pick the 49ers. All the sharps are on the 49ers. Um, you know, everybody's like, oh, Kansas City, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, all this shit <laughs> on why you should pick the Chiefs. I got to follow the guys that make the money betting on sports. Uh, the line has kind of moved in San Fran's favor, um, uh, at least spread wise. Um, so they're still the favorite. They opened up at a two-and-a-half-point favorite. All of the money got put on Kansas City, essentially. Like, a majority of the money is on Kansas City to cover two-and-a-half. So that line moves all the way to one-and-a-half. 
now. So San Fran is less of a favorite, which favors the pockets. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go for San Fran, uh, and I'm going to take them 27-24. I want to I wanna add something to this, too. Okay. Can we let's do a Super Bowl MVP prediction and just like a little that, stat line, so. little stat line. Yeah, uh, um, you know, considering I have the 49ers, uh, I'm gonna go Christian McCaffrey. I think that's a pretty easy one. Uh, I'm gonna say he goes for 120, uh, a rushing touchdown, and he's gonna have five receptions, 35 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. Okay. Um. I the last time these two teams were in the Super Bowl, I think I picked Travis Kelsey. And I think I'm going to go back to it again. I'm going to go like seven receptions, 85 yards, but two touchdowns. All right. Yep. Uh final thing. Prop betters again, Kyle Juszczyk. Over on receptions, over on yards. His line over under 0.5 receptions. And his receiving yard line over under three and a half. Um, in the playoff games that he's played in, he's hit that like I think ninety percent uh, or maybe wow. higher. So um, I think the last two games he's had two receptions or at least one reception and at least like ten yards. So I think that one's an easy easy money parlay them together because obviously he's going to have to get a reception to get the receiving yards. So easy pick there. Um. All right, that's uh, that's our Super Bowl recap. I'm very excited to watch this Me game. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Can't um, wait. All right, Sunday, six thirty, and then uh, of course you'll have me and Colin our live reaction after the game, um, that you'll get to listen to on Monday. For now, let's get into our list. Our final list before our top 10 starting pitchers of the season last year. Now, relief pitchers and closers. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna take the lead on this one, if you don't mind, Luke. Yeah. So this was a very, very, very hard list to make. Easily, in my opinion, the hardest one to not only pick my five, but to put them in the order I wanted them in. Very difficult. I've got seven honorable mentions. I'll preface with that. Um, so, yeah, it was real difficult. Honestly, we, we probably should have just done top ten for this one. Uh, but it was already decided we were doing top five. And uh, I'm going to start off my top five with David Bednar of the Pittsburgh Pirates. There is just something so nice about a closing pitcher that's all about the fastball. And that is exactly... David Bednar, and the guy still makes people miss. Obviously, the surface-level stats, whatever. Two ERA, 39 saves. Ah, you know, boring, boring stats. Uh, I care much more about the deep stats with David Bednar. Um, I love his pitch mix, four-seam, curveball, and he throws kind of a, a splitter change-up kind of pitch. Um, throws the fastball 58% of the time. Um he is he has he's in the 88th percentile for just fastball run value. So just with the fastball, he's fantastic. 96th percentile chase percentage, 89th percentile whiff percentage for a guy 
to throw a fastball 58% of the time and actually make people miss that much is ridiculous. And uh, that changeup split splitter thing, whatever you want to call it, uh, an average launch angle off that pitch of three. That is amazing for huh. an off-speed wow. pitch. To not allow people to get it up in the air is fantastic. So shout out David Bednar. Fun fact. David Bednar had a 34.5 out-of-the-zone swing percentage, which was a 5.5% improvement over last year. Wow. Um, yeah, fantastic pitcher. He just, like, that That split change just, it sounds like if he misses, he always misses the right way. Yeah, it's crazy. He never misses high. It is I, crazy. Um, All right, for my number five, I went with Yinier Cano. Um, this guy... It, He's interesting. He's an interesting pitcher in the league. 29 years old, and it's his second year in the league. Um, he is from, I think, is it Cuba? Uh, is that where, or is it? Yeah, he's from Cuba, yeah. I believe. Yeah, so came from Cuba in 2022. Um, you know, didn't play that many games. Had Finished with an 11.50 ERA in 13 games. Um, so he was, uh, he was struggling. But this year was amazing. He was called up from the minors in mid-April. Um, and he retired the first 24 batters that he faced. Incredible. Um, 2.11 ERA, 65 Ks, and eight saves. And he did amazing whenever Felix Bautista got hurt. And the fact that Josh Hader is added to the trio of Felix Bautista, Yinny, or Cano. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, good fucking luck. Yeah. <laughs> I, who do you want to close? Pick one. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, Yinier Cano, absolutely fantastic. I I honestly wish he was in the MLB longer. Um, but uh, yeah, I really really like this guy. Yeah, he went from fantastic. last year being, or not last year, the year before being statistically one of the worst relievers in the league to easily one of the best. Um, unfortunately, didn't make my list. Honorable mention. He is literally next guy up, um, for the list. But my number four is uh, the little brother of the guy who would have been on this list if we did it in 2022. Uh, give me Alexis Diaz of the Cincinnati Reds. This guy is the complete opposite of David Bednar as a closer. They are totally different. For Alexis Diaz, it's all about the slider. 51% sliders this year, and that slider, 88 miles per hour on average. He's in the 98th percentile for breaking ball run value, and he is literally... The guy for baseball nerds. Uh, it, it just an absolute advanced stat demon. I don't really care about the surface level stats. Yeah, 37 saves is great. 3 ERA, not that great for a closer. I care about the advanced numbers. 33.2 inches of drop on the slider with only 4 inches of break. That's just weird. You don't see that on a slider. To drop that much without breaking right to left like really at all is insane. Uh, but the biggest thing for Alexis Diaz, and it's one of my favorite things for a pitcher is the a hundredth percentile in extension. He averages or sorry, on average, he releases the ball 7.7 feet from the pitcher's mound. That's ridiculous. He gets so far down the mound that his fastball, that's only 94 and a half miles per hour on average shows up so much faster because he's cutting off seven, almost eight feet of distance from him to the pitcher. It is 
such an underrated stat that people don't look at, and it's a huge asset in his game that really helps him out, is he doesn't throw a hard fastball, but he has the extension to make it look faster. Yep. So um, that's it. Alexis Diaz. I, I like that. I totally forgot to mention Yenier Cano's uh, baseball savant. Uh, all that really is of note out of here is uh, he doesn't walk every – he doesn't walk – really many people and his fastball is probably one of the best in the league. I, yeah. I just wanted to add that. Cause I forgot. Um, number four is where I had David Bettinar. Um, really solid ERA, um, 80 strikeouts, 39 saves, and kind of just to bounce off what you said about him. Um, he made a lot of improvements in 2023. Well, not, not necessarily a lot, but a lot of just tweaks that I really liked. And, you know, to your point, the fastball was one of them. Um, he, you know, started throwing it more outside of the zone, which, I mean, just his chase rate exploded from 2022 to 2023. He just, he did very well there. Um, and he also cut his home runs uh, per nine in, in a very uh, good way as well. So that, I mean, you pretty much already mentioned everything, but David Bettnar was my number four. He was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he was so much fun to watch. Uh, my next guy is a guy that probably a lot of people don't even know. Um, but this guy was absolutely insane, and it's Tanner Scott of the Miami Marlins. This guy was unhittable, and nobody talks about him. Nobody gives him his credit. This guy's got the reddest baseball savant page you're going to find. Nine stats in the 90th percentile or better, and he's not even a closer. 98th percentile pitching run value, 98th percentile breaking run value, 99th percentile expected ERA, 91st expected batting average, 90th fastball velo, 97th average exit velo, 99 chase percentage, 97th whiff, whiff percentage, 98 K percentage, 96 barrel percentage, 99 hard hit percentage. It's actually insane to look at this guy's numbers. He had a 2.31 ERA, 78 innings pitched, 12 saves, a nine or a .99 WHIP. He was the co-leader in F WAR for relieving or uh, for relief pitchers, uh, including closers, and he was a huge part of Miami's success this season. They were 30 and 12 in one-run games, and a big part of that is due to Tanner Scott shutting it down whenever he entered the game. A lot of eighth inning, a little bit of ninth inning work. He was fantastic, and he took a huge step forward with his command in 2023. He took his walk percentage down 7.4% this season, which was the best change in the MLB in walk percentage. He's also all about drop. His slider has 34.8 inches of drop. That's three inches above average for the league. His fastball, 13.6 inches a drop. That's 1.3 inches above the average. And he's got a 16 run value on the slider. Uh, he also increased his first pitch strike percentage by 15.2%, all the way up to 70.1%. And uh, final thing, he only allowed three home runs this year, and he didn't give up a single no-doubter. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at this guy's baseball savant right now, and it's I, I don't understand how I haven't heard of him. This guy looks yeah. like the greatest pitcher of all time. Well, you probably never heard of him because <laughs> he sucked the first two seasons, uh, or like for a majority of his career, honestly, um, and just ha has showed up at age 29 and absolutely killed it for the Marlins last season. Wow. Um, well, all right. My turn. Uh, number three. Um, 
I went with Josh Hader. Um, I didn't realize how bad Josh Hader was in 2022. I mean, a 5.22 ERA out of a guy like Josh Hader is not something that you want um, at all. But um, 2023, it's all the way down to a 1.28. That that is more like it. He is actually first in ERA among anybody on my list. Um, 85 Ks, probably... Out of, out of anybody in my list, he probably has the most well-rounded as far as bas- uh, fastball and breaking ball. He's not just a fastball guy. He does throw it more often, but it's not like that's his best pitch. It's just the one that he throws the most often. Um, just, I, I mean, another very red baseball savant. You cannot hit him hard. Uh, his expected batting average is in the 100 percentile with a 1.57 or a .157. Crazy. Um his K rates in the 90, uh, 99th percentile, he's just, uh, he's unbelievable. Expected ERAs in the 99th uh, percentile as well. Um, and yeah, just looking forward, the fact that he's on the Orioles, I, I don't even know what that's going to look like. I, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Wait, who? <laughs> Hold on. What? Josh Hader. No, he's not. He's on the Astros. Why say on Baseball Savant? Did he get drafted to the Orioles? Yeah. Okay, I was reading it wrong. Well, that's... <laughs> Still kind of unfair with Ryan Presley there, um, but um, definitely like Josh Hader a lot. Um, sad that he's on the Astros now, but he made my number three. All right. Yeah, unfortunately, I left him off my list. Um, wow. Yeah, I I think it was just a matter of like it wasn't his best year because he's had so many best years. <laughs> So like I was more valuing some of the guys that like really made improvements. And um for my number two is a guy that really improved and it's his former teammate Devin Williams. I think people need to remember with Devin Williams, he was never a closer until the Brewers traded Josh Hader in twenty twenty two. This yeah. is his first full season as a closer. <clears throat> and he had thirty six saves and he had a ninety percent save conversion rate. That's ridiculous for a guy who was not a closer two years ago. And guess what? Slowest average fastball on my list. And he's also 100th percentile in extension, just like Alexis Diaz, who has the second slowest fastball on my list. He's also got 7.7 feet from the mound uh, on average, so which is insane. Um so my message for aspiring pitchers is that you don't have to throw a hundred, but you can make it look like a hundred, and that's what yeah. you do with a, an extension like that. It's all about reaction time. Guys have no reaction time, and the best part about him is that he throws a changeup fifty-seven percent of the time. S one in the league, <laughs> it, it is <laughs> absurd. Like if you're yeah. once again message for the young pitchers, you should be studying Devin Williams' changeup. It's a legendary pitch. I'm just I'm gonna go ahead and say that. It's a legendary pitch. Forty one point three inches of drop. That's five point five inches of drop better than the league average, which is quite a big difference. Think about how yeah. big five inches is. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting that. No, I, I wasn't really anticipating doing that, but also, the break. He's getting right to left 19.8 inches from his release point. 
That's ridiculous. That's 4.7 inches above average. Like, the, the incremental difference between everybody else and Devin Williams' changeup is crazy. So, uh, yeah, and of course, the 99th percentile on, like, everything uh, that's important for a closing pitcher, he also has that. Yeah, and I'll just bounce off of you because he's also my number two. That 99th percentile is in K-rate, whiff rate, uh, no, not hard hit, but expected batting average, and then he has a 98th percentile on expected ERA. And what I don't understand about this guy is how are you supposed to hit a changeup like his when he is extending 7.7 feet. It's crazy. Like, I I get it. Like, if someone's throwing triple digits with an extension like that, that's also unfair. But you got to think of the movement on his changeup, and he's making the distance from pitch to batter that much smaller. What the, like, literally, what are you going to do? Yeah, and and it really comes down to the spin as well. He's putting so much spin on that changeup that the action of the ball is just not at all possible to read. And because how close he gets to you, it's much harder to look at the laces. You're not going to see laces on a pitch that's spinning like that at 84 miles an hour and is going to move like that. And for righty batters especially, you are fucked on that changeup. Because he's throwing yeah. it from the right, so not only are you're cutting yourself. Okay, I'm about to get real in depth. You're cutting your your yeah. view off watching his arm angle because he comes not over the top, but he comes straight through his shoulder. So it's all on the same plane when he goes to throw. That one really tricks right-handed batters, and because of his release point and how he kind of brings it, it's weird. He kind of. I know this isn't on camera. He kind of holds his arm back here when he comes to throw, and he brings his forearm through and then follows with his elbow and shoulder. It's a it's a hard one to read because it's all level. And when yeah. he releases it that far down the mound, it's not like any other pitch where it comes from the top and it comes in. It comes straight, and then it drops. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is ridiculous to try and hit off Devin Williams. If I was yeah. in the batter's box against him, I would shit myself if I saw that changeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, one, 1.53 ERA, solid. He was uh, third on my list among ERA, uh, 87 Ks. These are, you know, obviously just those surface stats there. But um, yeah, I mean, easily number two on my list. Easily. Yeah, yeah. and number one, pretty easy despite his injury that kept him out of I think the whole final month of the season and the playoffs Felix Bautista was insane absolutely insane this season and I I don't even know how I don't know how he got to this point he was pretty good in 2022 but come on this year was different uh, at 1.48 ERA, 33 saves. He had a stretch where he converted 12 straight save opportunities. You mm. just don't do that. That doesn't happen. Um, and it's real hard to find somebody with four 100th percentiles on baseball savant. And he's got it. An expected ERA, expected batting average, whiff percentage, and K percentage. And 
the other stuff isn't too bad either. 87th percentile and chase percentage isn't bad, but there's 70% fastballs in goddamn are they fast average miles per hour <laughs> hundo. That's crazy. Uh, in the first place, he throws a pretty solid changeup that he only throws 25% of the time, and it's still 89 miles an hour on a changeup. The pitching run value, 98th percentile. Um, I, look, I know we have so much to talk about with him, but I'm just going to kind of hit my fun fact and let you take over. Uh, at right. 18.9 seconds on average, um, he has the slowest tempo with bases empty in the league last season. What does that mean? So uh, from essentially right after a pitch, takes him 18.9 seconds, which is right about the pitch clock. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Felix he's gotta, Bautista. He's got to charge up. He's a slow mover, uh, except for when he's throwing the ball, because he's also a mountain. He is 6'8", 285. I was about to say, like, what a unit. He yeah. Could, like, he could be like a power forward if he wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, He's that's crazy. Ridiculous. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, just to once again kind of bounce off, you know, of you, his not known for his breaking ball or his off-speed pitch, but his off-speed run value is still in the 95th percentile. That's yeah. kind of ridiculous. And then... His extension, he's in the 64th percentile, but when you throw triple digits and your changeup is 89 miles an hour, it, it, you kind of got a balance there. Um, and it, also what's really cool of, to note of him is uh, his hard hit percentage is in the 81st percentile, but he throws so fucking hard. Yeah. You would think it would be higher. Or lower, rather. Sorry. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's just... Um, what a crazy player, man. <laughs> what a crazy player. Yeah. Yeah, and like one of the best things that you can go look at is his heat map for his four seam fastball. He threw six hundred and ninety six fastballs last year, and his red area up and in on a righty. Painted. It's insane. And like he does not really leak out of the strike zone much. Yeah. <laughs> he is genuinely uh insane. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's the end of the list. I think we both had pretty good lists. I think, you know, we both had guys that we left off. Maybe we shouldn't have. Um, so there's quite a few honorable mentions. Like I said, I, I got it down to 13 or 12 people, <laughs> uh, trying to consider for this top five. I found my five. I'm still not confident that I had it right. Um, but I've got seven honorable mentions if you'd like me to run through them. Yeah, go ahead, man. So, uh, first, Josh Hader. Duh. Uh, second, Yannir Cano. Both those guys kind of even right there at like the 6-7. Uh, and then Camilo Duvall was fantastic. He just had a bad stretch where he could not get a save uh, to help himself. Uh, Yoan Duran is one of my favorite just flamethrowers in this league. Uh, Emmanuel Classe led the league in saves. He was not going to touch this top five um, as soon as I looked at his numbers because I think he also led the league in blown saves. Um, he just, he's a volume shooter. He was the Jordan Peel, or sorry, Jordan Poole, not Jordan Peel, uh, Jordan Poole uh, of last season. And then um, Evan Phillips of the Dodgers was great. And uh, this one, this one hurts. Chris Martin was great for the Red Sox. Um, I miss Chris Martin. He was. 
He was very good in the COVID year for the Braves. Yeah. I I would assume I probably hit on all of your honorable mentions if you had any. Um, <laughs> no, the only one that I would have had was the the Reds guy. Oh, Al- Alexis Diaz, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I know Jordan Romano had a good season. I, I yeah, he was pretty good. He kind of fell off. As well. Yeah, he kind of fell off near the end. Uh, oh, wait, there was somebody else. Oh, Matt Brash uh, of Seattle. Um, I think he had the most games pitched um, and had a 2.1 war. So he was very good. Um, narrowly missed making into the honorable mentions. Um, yeah, um, it, it's weird with closing pitchers, and we were talking about yeah. this a little bit before we started recording, but like, the closing pitcher, I feel like every every literally every team in the MLB has a good closing pitcher because the closing pitcher is technically probably like the he's the best you say like the best pitcher. Yeah, yeah. So like all of them are going to be good. It's just you know some are going to be better than others. Definitely. Uh, I'll tell you what, not a single Brave made it anywhere near my list. Yeah, or um, a Yankee. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> you could have made it. You could have made a case for Clay Holmes. Um, and honestly, I probably could have made a case for AJ Minter, but. They certainly weren't making the top five. They were close to the honorable mentions. No, um, Henley Jansen was up there in saves, wasn't he, at the end of the year? I don't know. Um, I would assume he was. I no, no, he wasn't. I don't. I don't even see him on the list. Wow. Rizal Iglesias was up there. He was ninth. Paul Saywald uh, as well. He was very good. A lot of playoff success yeah, a, for Paul Saywald. I was about to say. Uh, all right. Are we ready to get into some soccer? Let's do it, man. All righty then. Premier League, I think it's, what, match week like 22, 23? Um, I can't keep up with it at this point. Uh, <laughs> all I know is that Newcastle's in good form. That's all that matters to me. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying me and Luke did something that has never before been done in the history of this podcast. And that is to correctly predict the score. Both of us correctly predicted the score of a match. (laughs) Never has happened before. And we, we literally both made the same prediction three, one Arsenal over Liverpool. And it actually happened. How crazy is that? Yeah, I know. That's a that's a high five right there. Oh, no, yeah. we had to do like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, other way. Nope, you go the other way. Oh. Yep. Yeah, perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that caught me off guard when I saw that final score. I was like, oh, my God, we actually did it. Um, hey, you know what, though? Yay us. Yeah. Yay us. Yeah, go us. Um, all right, well, then let's get into some of the big ones for this weekend. Let's start with Tottenham versus Brighton. Both these teams mm. in interesting form, honestly. You know, Tottenham, their last match, a 2-2 draw with Everton, while Brighton had a 4-1 win over Crystal Palace. And then you go back to the match before it, <laughs> Brighton got routed by Luton Town 4-0, but Tottenham got a, a 3-2 win over Brentford. These two teams are in the weirdest form they've been this season, um, and it just doesn't seem like they can get it figured out right now. Yeah, um, that 2-2 draw with uh, with uh, Tottenham and Everton was interesting because it's a shitty result for Tottenham, but Richarlison scored twice in this game. Yeah. 
When is the last time he has scored multiple goals in one game? It's certainly been a while. He um, might have been at Everton. <laughs> exactly. And uh, what I what I'm going to predict here is we we have really like since this podcast started, love to shit on Richarlison. But I'm going to offer some hope for him, and that is the fact that James Madison being his cam is probably the best thing he could need for his career right now. Yeah. And and even Timo Werner um, out there on the left wing, Timo Werner has historically been a decent winger you can stick out there. Um, of, of course, with Tottenham's depth, I would kind of hope that maybe Werner would replace Richarlison. If yeah. Richarlison I think it's just because Swangman's son is, uh, was still at Asia Cup at this point, um, yeah. which is a, a whole other story. The fact that yeah. they... <laughs> wow. Um, but they lost to Jordan, right? Yeah, the, the final is Jordan and Qatar. No Australia, South Korea, or Japan. Crazy. In the final. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I would assume that Werner is at um, at left wing or left mid until Huangman Son returns. Um, I would assume they – I don't know because James Madison also needs to be in this lineup. Maybe – like I guess James Madison does have experience on the right – you could put James Madison over Brennan Johnson and keep both Richarlison and Timo Werner in the lineup. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to be interested. Like with, um, I'm interested to see what Ange is going to do. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the thing with putting cams that can play wings um, out on the wing is I feel like you take away a lot yeah. from their creative ability. I agree. Um, that's the only thing. For sure. Um. It's not like he couldn't do it. Uh, it's yeah. just I, I feel like he could do more for your team at Cam. And then Brighton side, um, yeah, just once again, another weird team to talk about with how you mentioned their form early on. Because, I mean, their their last game, they routed Crystal Palace, but the game before that, they were the ones getting routed. So yeah. not not really too sure what to go for with, you know, um, Brighton here. They just um, looked really good against a Crystal Palace team that's not all that bad. Yeah, like they're not no, the I worst. I, actually, I may have had Crystal Palace winning this game, even. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I had Brighton. I don't think I had him four one. I think I had him three one. Um, but I, I love what I've seen from Brighton at moments. That's the problem this yeah. season for Brighton. It's a lot of moments, and it's not a lot of like weeks on end that <laughs> they're looking yeah. good, and that just kind of keeps hurting them, especially in the table. Um, it's hurting them. They've what they've stooped down relatively low, uh, in the table, all the way down to eight. Um, you know, this is a team going into the year. I thought they were a top four contender and I really liked what they had been doing. It just doesn't seem like they have all the firepower they needed. They certainly showed against crystal palace. Pascal gross played amazing. Um, and you know, yeah, Pedro has been good. Uh, Evan Ferguson's been good, and I think people need to remind themselves this Brighton team is very, very young. Their three attackers in this game were Yao Pedro, Ferguson, and then uh, Bowen Nate, um, the uh, Argentinian. Ferguson's the oldest of the or no, sorry, uh, Yao Pedro's the oldest of the group at 22. Ferguson and Bonate are both 19. That's crazy. <laughs> Wow. And um so yeah, like I I really like Brighton. I just the 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 youth uh and just the the inconsistency 
uh, is definitely an issue. And, you know, still missing Solly March, still missing Matoma, um, still missing in CISO. These are important guys to this lineup that they're missing at the moment. Um, so it definitely hurts them. I, I think I'm going to go in Tottenham's favor this week. Uh, I'm going to take them 2-1. Uh, 2-1, two, one. Two, one, okay. Um, 2-1 over Tottenham. No, I'm taking Tottenham 2-1 Tottenham over Brighton. 2-1. Okay. Um I I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here and I'm going to go 1-1 one, one draw. Uh, All right. I think I think you know Brighton could maybe build off of this. We've seen them build off of good form before, especially at the beginning of the season. They just um I, I feel like a 1-1 one, one draw against Tottenham would be a win for how their form's kind of been very inconsistent like you pointed out. So, I'm going to go 1-1 one, one draw. All right. Well, then let's get into the next game. West Ham versus Arsenal. West Ham been a very interesting topic this year. Um, kind of just epitomizing average at uh, a lot of times. Uh, a, a zero goal differential. Uh, they do sit in seventh place, though, at the moment. Uh, Arsenal, obviously, big win last week against Liverpool. They looked extremely, extremely good. Probably one of their best complete performances by this team outside of Kai Havertz playing striker, uh, <laughs> which you know very well is a problem. Uh, luckily, yeah. they have goal scorers around them, unlike when Kai Havertz used to play striker. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that definitely played in their favor. Uh, you had goals coming from Bukayo Saka as early as the 14th minute, uh, and then Martinelli and uh, Trossard. Honestly, Liverpool didn't even really score a goal. Uh, you had an own goal by um uh by Gabriel so <laughs> and then uh, you know Konyate getting sent off uh for Liverpool it was it was disgusting uh by Liverpool that that play was horrible uh that whole game um so yeah Arsenal looks fantastic right now West Ham horrible horrible right now uh they lost yeah. 3-0 to Man U and Man U like they got manhandled. Um, yeah, Rasmus Hoylund continues the good form. Alejandro Garnacho scoring two goals in this game uh, is crazy. Once again, this this young attack looks very good um, for Manchester United. Hoylund and Garnacho look great right now. Kobe Maynou didn't have his best performance, but you know, prior, what he scored the winner. Uh, against uh, Wolves last yeah. week. So, like, he's looked good. This wasn't his best match, but we saw Casemiro doing very good as kind of a deep-seated playmaker in this match, which is how he should be playing. Uh, Bruno Fernandez got himself an assist. Um, Marcus Rashford continues to struggle, especially in front of goal right now. Um, what do you think is the problem at the moment for Rashford? That, that's a really... That that's honestly a good question because I don't I don't really understand how the team has changed very much since last season because no. for for a while there it's Marcus Rashford was like probably one of the best players in the world last season yeah um, he was absolutely phenomenal Certainly. um I I I don't know I I really don't know I cannot put a finger on it I I just think that there there's so much um. There's so much other stuff going on with Manchester United that isn't on the pitch. And yeah, I agree. That's really the only thing I can put. But you, I don't really think you can necessarily put all that on Marcus Rashford, though. No, um, I, I've certainly heard the rumors about Rashford uh, and that 
kind of the locker room has turned on him a little bit. Uh, they're kind of tired of him being selfish. That. Um, yeah, that that seems to be a trend. Uh, you know, thus far, uh, they also uh, did get a big, big loss in this game, which was Lissandra Martinez going down yet again uh, mm. uh, for Manchester United. But um, let's go back to West Ham because we weren't even talking about Manchester United. They're actually our next game. Uh, <laughs> I kind of forgot about it. But um, for <laughs> Arsenal, they're, they're getting real close to quite a few guys coming back from injury. Gabriel Jesus is questionable going into this one. Uh, same goes for Jorginho uh, and Fabio Vieira. But uh, Zinchenko should be back in, in a matter of weeks. You're in temper about a month away. Uh, Thomas Partey close to uh, being ready to come back as well. This could be a time for Arsenal to be hitting their stride. Obviously, you pick up some momentum. They're on three straight wins. Um, obviously, the routing of Crystal Palace a couple weeks ago, a 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest, and then this 3-1 win over Liverpool. Um, Arsenal's on their best form yet, and they're only two points clear of the lead in the uh, in the league. Yeah. Um, basically, to, to go off of that, West Ham is about to hit a just a brick wall at yeah. two miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> because they don't have any form. Um, Arsenal has all of the form. Um, and, and yeah, you know, at West Ham, I, I really like their lineup. I, I love all of the players that they have on their team. And, you know, we, we um, kind of, I, I would say a couple months ago, were really hopeful for this West Ham team. And, you know, they still have really good performances from their newer players. Like, Edison Alvarez has been solid for them. Yeah. Kudus has been solid for them. But... They, I, I don't necessarily think they really added the right piece. Like, yeah, all those players have been great, but you just left yourself without a striker. And now you're scrambling starting Jared Bowen, and it's just even worse than Mikel Antonio, yeah. in my opinion. So West Ham, I, I, they're, they're a lot better than what their form is, I will say that, but that, that doesn't disclose them from you know being on bad yeah. form, if that makes sense. So... I'm going to go ahead and give a score prediction here. I'm actually probably going to go like 4-1 Arsenal. I think it's going to be a big wow. game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, look, West Ham, uh, I, I like that you say they're going to score because West Ham's defense has been abysmal. They haven't kept a clean sheet in five matches. They haven't won a match in six matches. Um, they're ranked 10th in goals scored per match, so the offense hasn't been good either. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see a routing by Arsenal. I'm going to go for 3-0. Uh, and say that they'll get the clean sheet, considering Arsenal leads the Premier League in clean sheets this season with an eight. Um, like all right, our final oh, and how match. About, uh, oh, sorry. Areola got subbed out at halftime in that game against yeah. United, too. Uh, Fabianski, yeah. the Polish keeper, came in. Uh, I um, believe he sustained some minor injury and in just because uh, I watched that match last week. Um, it looked like he just kind of got banged up at some point and was definitely moving a little slower. And then they went into the half, like right after that. And people were kind of asking if he was going to get subbed out or not. And he ended up getting subbed out. Yeah. And on top of that, I totally forgot that West Ham have Danny Ings and yeah, sure. He yeah. might be old, but he might be the striker. I, I would play him over Jared Bowen for sure. I agree. I would. Uh, yeah. All right. Our final match, Aston Villa versus Manchester United. So, like we alluded to with Manchester United, um, you know, they got fortunate with Lissandra Martinez's injury that it's only a sprained knee, uh, but he's still going to be out till mid-March. Uh, you know, no uh, Mason Mount. I think he's still hurt. Um, 
but otherwise the injuries aren't a big deal. But they're running into a Villa team that is pretty good, despite the fact they lost to Chelsea 3-1 over the weekend in uh, the FA Cup. Yeah, and uh, they they lost to a Chelsea with uh, once again Cold Palmer at striker. Yes, you, sir. Uh, and you love it. <laughs> and Nicholas Jackson at left mid. And scored. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, like man. I don't. I don't. Potch, know. Potch put together this lineup in the most ridiculous way possible and beat one of the best teams <laughs> in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get it. I I really just don't get it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, does Reese James even play for Chelsea anymore? No, no, he doesn't. I don't think so either. I don't know if he ever um, will. I don't either. Um, I think really what happened to what happened to Aston Villa here is I, I think it's just a matter of depth. Um, Chelsea had the depth. Aston Villa doesn't. Um, yeah. You know, Lingley is just not not the defender that you want to be starting anymore. Um, in the Premier League, I, I don't think him going from La Liga to the Premier League has transferred that well for him. Um, Ollie Watkins has been on a, a little bit of a downturn lately. He didn't necessarily have a bad game against Chelsea. It's just, you know, if you're a striker, you got to score. Um, and yeah, bottom line, I just think uh, Aston Villa fell to a um, Chelsea team that just had more depth than them in this one. So yeah, I don't know if this, I don't know if we can really go off of this game for Aston Villa in terms of how they're going to look against Manchester United. Yeah, I, I think it was interesting I don't think we'll see this exact same lineup either. Um, you know, obviously it was an FA Cup match. Maybe they're not putting quite as much weight um, into those matchups. But if you go back to their last Premier League game, they beat the shit out of Sheffield United. And I know Sheffield United is as good as relegated at the moment. Um, but, like, I haven't seen this bad of a performance um by a team in a while, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Aston Villa is just so good. And Unai Emery knows what he's doing with this team. He has put together a team of good players, not great players. He put together a team of good players and made them a great team. And and, and I think that's the biggest thing. They play so well together that nobody independently is just outstanding. Uh, obviously, you know, Ollie Watkins had a fantastic game against Sheffield United. He's their striker. Sole guy up front. He had two assists and a goal. Tielemans yeah. scored a goal. Douglas Luiz had an assist. McGinn and Moreno on the left side both scored goals. Leon Bailey scored a goal. And you had Emiliano Martinez play great at keeper. This defense is fantastic, especially when Pau Torres is in over Langley. Um, yeah. And, you know, Diego Carlos has been one of the better center backs this season uh, in the Premier League. They have a team to win matches. But when you have a game like Chelsea or like Newcastle uh, two weeks ago, you're not going to look good. And and that's that's the problem. They, they are a little bit unpredictable. Obviously, we know they're going to play great. But when they come up against a good team... How great are they going to look? Exactly. Uh, that's the yeah. biggest question mark with Villa. Um, and it's kind of a question mark for Manchester United as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a very fair point. <laughs> uh, I will say Manchester United uh, unbeaten in five matches, uh, but it's the goals scored 
that they just simply fall short and they're third or sorry, fourteenth in the league in goals goals scored per match. Uh, on the other end, Aston Villa third in goals scored per match with two point one goals per match. That's amazing to be scoring two goals a match. So um, I I think I'm going to go with Villa just because I I think the the inexperience and kind of streakiness uh, of Hoylun and and Garnacho's performances are going to hurt them. Um, No Martinez. Yeah, no Martinez is definitely a big miss um, considering the attack that Aston Villa has. And then... Uh, as well for Manchester United, I if you guys can find Marcus Rashford, wherever the fuck you put him, um, he'll do great. If you keep rolling out this random guy that wears his jersey, uh, you're going to lose, and I think that's what's going to happen this weekend. Uh, I'm going to take Villa 3-1. Wow, I like that. Um, I got a question for you before I give my score prediction. Um, yeah. If you're Eric Ten Hag, which I... I'm really I'm glad you're not. I have a full head of hair. Yeah. Quite a lot of it, actually. And you have a brain. Um, <laughs> True. Would you... Do you start Kobe Manu or Scott McTominay? It's tough, dude. Scott McTominay has been great. I don't understand how he ended up on the bench in the first place. Um, I don't know either. <laughs> I really don't. I Like, I can't explain <laughs> that one. Um, yeah, it, it's weird. I, I feel like... Okay, I'm going to say something crazy. I'm going to bench Casemiro. I'm benching Casemiro. Uh, I'm not even going to bench Bruno Fernandez. I know that's what you were going to say. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to bench Bruno Fernandez. Um, Honestly, they should have sold Casemiro in January to Saudi Arabia. That soon? After buying him, you think? Yeah. They need to recoup some money. So they're going to sell him in January. Or Sir Jim Ratcliffe is going to send him right off in the summer. I guarantee it. Yeah. Because they need that That's money true. back, honestly. The way that they sit financially right now, you're not in good standing for financial fair play, so you're going to have to sell people anyways. And Casemiro is a huge salary on the books. And with this new ownership and management of this team coming in, they want to make changes, and you can't make changes when you're handcuffed to an aging player who doesn't have the biggest impact and certainly doesn't have a great track record of staying on the field for Manchester United. Yeah, um, that's fair. I, I would honestly, I would probably try to sell Maguire, Delo, Bruno. Yeah, Bruno's a weird one. I'll stop there. Bruno, I listen, I my hatred towards Bruno sometimes makes me feel like I need to look in the mirror and ask myself what is wrong with me. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just his attitude. I, I don't I like him as a captain, but no, he is a, a great Tam. And honestly, what I was going to say is sell or bench Bruno and yeah. move Casemiro to CDM and then have Tomine take that spot. But then again, what is Garnacho, Hoylund, and a struggling Marcus Rashford going to look like without a Cam like Bruno? Exactly. They need that playmaking behind them. I will say that because I'll tell you what, Marcus Rashford ain't doing no playmaking. I know no, that. Not anymore. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> McTominay, like w- when you look at McTominay, Casemiro, and Kobe Mainu, like obviously they they play the the positions differently. Casemiro likes to stay back. Scott McTominay kind of likes to play box to box. Kobe Mainu kind of likes to play box to box, but really is just a traditional center mid. Yeah. None of them are attacking midfielders. 
No. And that kind of hurts them in a way because they need the attacking midfielder, which they have one, and they have a world-class one. He's just not a good captain. Yeah. So uh, exactly. I, I think it's easy to hate on Bruno because he's not a good captain, but you can't take away from the fact that he is a very good cam. He's a very good passer. Um, pretty clinical penalty taker as well. Um, yeah. So he is an asset to that team, but I do agree that they could sell him this summer. Yeah, and honestly, if we're, you know, I know we're, we need to get my score prediction, but I probably wouldn't sell Onana. I wouldn't that, that is a keeper, although he has been memed and drugged through the mud, rightfully so, all he's season turned long. It around. He is a guy that, yeah, he's turned it around, Definitely. and he's a guy that could probably only get better. But yeah, um, what was your score prediction again? Just to recap, because uh, we think, went off. I think I had 3-1 Villa. 3-1 Villa. Um, I already had a 1-1 draw in the first game that we covered. I'm, I'm going to go 3-2 United. I think it's going right. to be a really, really good game. Cool. All really right. Well, then let's get into one of my favorite things to to talk about and watch every year, uh, the Champions League. We have waited long enough since the end of the group stages. We're now into the knockout rounds and um, got some good matchups for week one. So we're going to be kind of doing this on a week-by-week basis. So um, this week we've got you know two matches each uh each day, so Tuesday and Wednesday, so four matches a week. Um, there's obviously um, eight matchups. Um, so this week we have Leipzig and Real Madrid on Tuesday, as well as Copenhagen Man City on Tuesday. And then Wednesday we have Lazio Bayern and PSG versus Real Sociedad. Um, you know, we're just kind of previewing leg one of these games. Um, so what are you thinking for leg one at Leipzig uh, for Real Madrid-Leipzig? Uh, man, I, Real Madrid are just historically such a good Champions League team, yeah. but it's going to be a hard away ground to play at. Leipzig fans are amazing, um, and Leipzig is a really, really good team. Um, uh, uh, you know, admittedly a team that I haven't really kept up with that well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I really don't know what they look like after losing Timo Werner. I, I don't know what's been going on over there. But I, it's going to be a tough place to go play nonetheless for Real Madrid. But Real Madrid, in my opinion, just has them outclassed at every single position. Yeah, I think that's kind of the case. Um, Real Madrid's an interesting topic right now because right now they're battling Girona for the lead uh, in La Liga. Um, they but, play each other this weekend. Yeah, I know it's a big one. Uh, I think not it's this weekend. Two points apart right now. Um, oh, never mind. It's on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, so they've got a big match uh, Saturday, and then they've got to go to Leipzig. Um, also, doesn't play in their favor. Uh, but the thing that does play in their favor is that they have uh, one of the best players on the planet, and then another one as well. Uh, and both of them <laughs> like to score goals. So. I think Jude Bellingham and Vinny are going to be a big part of this team uh, going through this Champions League run. I think, you know, going forward, they're both a big part of this team uh, in general. But, um, you know, Real Madrid's always had their Champions League performers. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo kind of did it in both places. But Gareth Bale had some memorable Champions League moments. And, and you know, you'd have your years where Karim Benzema had his Champions League moments. Um that was a big deal. I think those two, 
Vinny and Bellingham are going to kind of lead them through. So I think that for game one, uh, I'm going to take Real Madrid, or sorry, I'm going to take a draw uh, just because of the away game. Um, and I'm going to go 2 2. Um, I'm looking at Leipzig's last four in the Bundesliga, and they're 1 and 3. They have a 1 0 loss to Frankfurt, no, a 2 3 loss to <laughs> Leverkusen, a 5 2 loss to Stuttgart, and Holy then they shit. finally get back in winning form. And they have a 2-0 result over Union Berlin, who even had a red card. Oh, my God. I'm taking it so, back. Real Madrid 2-0. <laughs> I'm going Switching to kind of meet in the middle, because uh, it is a hard place to play, and the fans are going to show out. It's probably going to be sold out because it's Real Madrid. So I'm going to go with like a tough 1-0 win for Madrid, but once they take that shit to Spain, you can't just, <laughs> just send Leipzig packing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's... My prediction. Yeah, as soon as this this matchup comes to the Bernabeu, it's over. Yeah. 100%. Uh, Copenhagen, Man City. In Copenhagen. Uh, doesn't really matter. Look, Copenhagen <laughs> was a fantastic story, and we rooted for them to beat <laughs> Manchester United. But it's so over. Oh, <laughs> it's so it's over. Bad. <laughs> it, they might just forfeit the game in Manchester just to like save money on airfare. <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, really bad. Um, I'm gonna go four nil uh for game one. Uh I, I don't know. I maybe I just think that the away game and the away fans are too interesting, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give City like a two nil. Okay. Because uh, I mean Copenhagen already has the advantage of playing a Manchester team. That's true. They've played in Manchester already, just different place. Which if we're gonna be realistic means absolutely nothing. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then Wednesday's matches. Lazio, Bayern. I feel like Lazio could give them a little bit. Um, I don't. I haven't really paid too much attention to them outside of the Champions League this season. Um, do you know where they sit possibly in Serie A? Uh, ninth. Um, I don't know. <laughs> wow, <laughs> not good. Uh, but they have won their last three, so that's good. Um, yeah, look, Bayern is great. Uh. They've also got a big matchup this weekend, I believe. I think they play Bayer Leverkusen, uh, who is notably unbeaten in 30 matches in all competitions this season. Wow. Um, where Where is it showing that they're unbeaten in their last three for you? Because I do not see that. I don't know. I just I pulled it up on Google, um, and it said they won oh, their okay. last three Serie A matches. Um, really quick, I'm going to run through Lazio's uh, last five. Uh, so Coppa Italia was a 1-0 win over Roma with three red cards. That's that That's that uh, Rome rivalry there. Uh, then they beat Lesse 1-0 in the Serie A. Then the Supercoppa Italiana, they lost to uh, Supercoppa Italiana. Love that. That's a, um, that's a They lost to Inter. Uh, it is. Oh, they lost sorry, to Inter I was looking at it backwards. I just realized that. I do that all the time <laughs> with Google. I do that all the time with Google. It's backwards to um, how it should be. Yeah, exactly. Um, then a nil-nil draw uh, with Napoli, and then they're coming off their most recent game was a 3-1 loss to Atalanta. Um, yeah. Don't shit on Atalanta, though. Um, they're no, fourth in the table. They've been very good this year, uh, despite losing Rasmus Hoylund, uh in the offseason. Uh, Is that where he came from? Yeah. Yeah, he spent th- a year or really? two. Yeah. 
Yeah, Whatever happened to the um the Zapata Christian Zapata, their Atalanta striker for a while, yeah, who was just really solid but never left. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I know they do have a a good a couple of good young players. Um, uh, this guy, this Belgian guy, uh, De Ketelier, Ketelier. Oh yeah, he is very yeah. good. Only 22 years old. I could definitely see him making a move this summer. Um, yeah. He's been amazing. Uh, nonetheless, back to Lazio Bayern. Um, I think Bayern's going to get the win. I know it's in, uh, you know, it's at Lazio, but yeah, Bayern is just so good. They have such a good team. The problem is the dysfunctionalities. Thomas Tuchel has simply not been good enough uh, at Bayern, and I think it's hurting the locker room. It's hurting this team. Um, so that doesn't bode well for them. I still think they get the win. Uh, just because their defense is very solid. So uh, I'm going to take them 1-0 uh, in leg one. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2-1 for Bayern. Okay. And then um, yep. we have the one that we said could have the most upsets when we first saw this draw, PSG Real Sociedad. Very interesting matchup. I really, really like this like this result or not result, but this fixture. Yeah. Well, I'll like the result if uh, it goes my way, because I love rail Sociedad this season. Um, you know, they, they haven't been fantastic in their last five. Um, it goes uh draw loss, win, draw, draw in their last two or draws. It is pretty big for them to have drawn with Girona, um, you know, over the weekend, but I just, it's not great. But the way they've played in the Champions wow. League has been very good. Um, I like Real Sociedad. PSG is just, you know, if they're good, they're great. If they're bad, they are atrocious uh, on a week-by-week basis. Holy fucking shit. In, in Real Sociedad's last six games, they have five clean sheets. Yeah, no, their defense is insane. They have an 11-goal wow. differential. Um and they sit in sixth place. The only teams better than them are the five teams ahead of them in the table. Uh, but there's a significant drop off for the second half of, or kind of, you know, the last, uh, you know, thirteen teams or whatever. Um, like right after them in the table um, is Valencia with a two goal differential. Uh, Las Palmas has a three goal differential. Um, but Real Sociedad have only scored 32 goals, um, and they've only given up 21. <laughs> Their last three games are all three nil-nil draws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're clean sheet machines, man. Um, let's see. Uh, so, look, they definitely have a chance against PSG. I will say, I saw Marco Asensio get a ridiculous assist. To Kylian Mbappe, I don't even know when it was from. I think it was re- relatively recently. Um, that was cool as fuck. Um, <laughs> I, I never knew that Marco nice. Sensio was uh, capable of wowing me, but he did. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just because it's in Paris, uh, despite the fact that the Parc des Prince may not be their home soon enough. Um, I'm going to take PSG uh, 1-1. Or, sorry, 1-0. Sorry, 1-0. 
I just don't trust Real Sociedad uh, to play the offense they need uh, to beat PSG in Paris. I, I think, um, yeah, I'm going to match you on that. 1-0 for PSG. But it really in the second leg, though, I think things could... What I'm trying to say is that the first leg, if PSG win 1-0, Real Sociedad are not out of it by any means. Agreed. When yeah, it goes back definitely. to Spain. So Definitely. All right, well, uh, you know, next week we'll... The way we'll kind of do it throughout this, uh, you know, round of 16 is uh, we'll recap what happened in the last week's games and we'll preview what's happening in the next week. So you get the preview uh, next week for Inter Atletico Madrid, PSV Dortmund, uh, Porto Arsenal, and Napoli Barcelona. For now, it's questions time. And yeah. uh, we've got a whole big crop of questions. We'll start off. With uh, one question here. This one's an interesting one. This is a standalone. Which athlete or team had the best original song released? So not like a team, like not like a fight song, uh, but a song that came out from their players or, or like a player or a team putting a song out. So, like an athlete that released like a song, basically? Sure, yeah. It, it literally in Lit- any... Okay. Facet. I have I have the best answer. When when y'all are done listening to this podcast, he's been memed about his artistry a lot. Le'Veon Bell is not that bad. Yeah. Shrimp Shrimp Bayless is a decent song. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. I'm gonna be honest. (laughs) I really enjoy that one. (laughs) Yeah. And and his album's not that bad either. So I'd go Le'Veon Bell. Okay. Well, I'm gonna just gonna. This one's definitely not the best, but I'm gonna keep it with the Steeler. Uh, put that shit on by Antonio Brown. What what's banger? Yeah, bang. Yep, that's it. Banger. (laughs) Uh, but the all time team putting out of song which it wasn't really the team it was a couple of players uh was those extremely good miami teams uh that miami college team and um with uh who all of them played in the nfl uh the seventh floor crew uh tavaris t good gooden uh john big b's beeson and greg g reg olsen uh, it is a nine-minute song, <laughs> and the lyrics are fucked up to say the least. <laughs> Greg Olson's in there, like oh, the tight yeah. end Greg Olson. Yep. What? <laughs> oh man. Um. Uh, yeah. Here, I'll give you a good uh a good start to a verse seven, uh, from Greg Olson uh, on this song. Uh, what's your name? G Reg. What do you do? Get head. How do you do it? Drop my drawers and let her see my third leg. <laughs> so yeah. Uh yep. Wow. He also in this song says, I'm finna or sorry, I'm fin to make these hoes choke on my balls on my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I told you the no song's fucked up. That. It is a <laughs> fucked up song. Uh the other one, uh also a Florida uh university's song. Uh this one the Florida State. Uh it was called Seminole Rap. Um and they actually they asked a bunch of players whose idea it was. Uh all of them said it was just a bad idea in general. Um 
you had uh, Dedrick Dodge from that team, the defensive back, said, first, let me say it was a bad idea. <laughs> um, uh, somebody said wow. that uh, it was inspired by the Chicago Bears Super Bowl shuffle. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Oh, I got one more. Very interesting. The yeah, uh, yeah. The Steelers Super Bowl song. Yeah. You know that one? Yeah. Like the Pittsburgh's here we go. going Steelers. to the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, man. It's, that's a legendary song. Uh, all right. Good. Well, let's get into Nathan's questions. Mucho's questions uh, this week. Um, all right. Let's start here. Who do you think is going to throw the first no-hitter of the season? Shit, well, it could be anybody. Yeah, and that's the really, fun part. <laughs> Domingo, Domingo Herman taught us all that anything is possible. Yeah, um, yeah, you could be a drunk uh, and throw a fucking yeah. perfect game. You could love going home to punch and that's throw a perfect game. a good point. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Um, anyway. You could also win a World Series. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, what was the question? Uh, who's going to throw the first no-hitter? That's right. Um, that there's a couple people damn, that I, wish he'd throw one. Right? Um, uh, feels so bad for some. <laughs> I was uh, trying. Yeah, that was bad. I was trying. I, I really, I don't know because no hitters can be just anybody. Yeah, it really can. Uh, I'm just going to, um, I'm going to say a random starting pitcher. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Brady Singer. Of the Kansas City Royals. I'm going to go Marcus <laughs> Stroman. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Who's going to be the first touchdown scorer in the big game? Mm. I think it's McCaffrey. I already said that earlier. I think it's Debo. They're going to come out in mm. one of those like Debo McCaffrey packages, and no one no one really knows how to defend against that still. It's so. a good point. Um, yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah, so how are they going to get it? So that's kind of how you said. I think McCaffrey's going to get a receiving touchdown for like four yards. Okay, I think Debo's going to yeah. get a rushing touchdown. For, okay, interesting. Know, five or four little yards. roll reversal. Yeah. Uh, if it is the Chiefs, uh, they get the ball first. Uh, who else but Travis Kelsey to get that first touchdown? Uh, I'm going to go like Pacheco. Okay. Um. All right. How many attempts would it take you to hit a home run at Truist Park? I'll pull up the dimensions for you. I'm going to assume yeah, for you, you it's infinite. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But you might you might square one up. There's no telling. Uh, okay, so it Truist Park. Left field is 335 feet. Left center, 385. Center field, 400. Right center, 375. Right field into the chop house with that high wall, 325. I would give myself 70 attempts to hit a home run. Yeah. Uh, if I'm getting, I mean, well, if I'm getting like a major league BP thrower, uh, give me, honestly, I hate to do this to you. I'm probably going to need 70 to hit a home run. Cause I'm going to okay, be pulling so... to the left, uh, to left field. <laughs> and I, it is a kind of a short wall in left field into the bullpen. Um, but I I do put the ball on the ground quite a bit. 
Uh, I was actually going through some of my old tweets, and when the Pirates had the first pick in the draft, uh, I think two years ago, I said, uh, hey, Pirates, I'm available if you want somebody that hits a lot of ground balls and can scoop every other ball at first base. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Now, uh, you're right. Um, It would take me infinite. Yes. Wouldn't do that. Yeah, it would take me a lot of work uh, to, to do it. I think the problem is is that my arms would hurt far too early into this. <laughs> Just with swinging? Yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, I, I would give you 20 attempts. No. You're, You're far overestimating me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if it was Colin, professional Colin, I think Colin could probably get it in 10, it, it, like at the least. I could yeah. not. <laughs> I'm going to say like 50 is is generous to me because I simply yeah. was not like a power hitter. I, w- I was like a, a line drive guy, grounder guy. Okay. Um. All right. Who do you think – or sorry, do you think you could get a steal off an MLB pitcher? Well, my obvious answer is no, uh, though I was quite good at stealing bases, Um. surprisingly. I think it was more of a fact I... nobody thought I'd run. Oh, Um. I would say yeah. I, I have some wheels. I would just um I would have to time IQ, it right though. because yeah. Yeah. If yeah. it if it got if I had attempts to do it, I, yeah. I would say that probably the first couple, the pitcher would probably fuck with me and I'd look like a dick ass. Yeah. But I definitely I know I have the speed, but like you said, it's all about the IQ, so I think I could, but it would it would take some tries. Yeah, see, like if it if I'm facing Max Freed, uh he's he's picking me off before I even steal. Probably every time. Uh, give me John Lester on the mound. I'm gone. I got that. I got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I like that. And also, I need a pretty bad catcher behind the plate, at least defensively yeah. bad catcher. Um, um, give me an R.A. Dickey knuckleball. I'm gonna steal. <laughs> that he spikes into the dirt. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is an interesting one. What's your favorite shirt pattern? Um. What? I don't know. Uh, Nathan plaid. obviously was looking at a shirt, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. Honestly, I don't wear a lot of shirts with patterns. If if you guys have noticed, I often wear solid colored T-shirts. Um, <laughs> if we're talking like. You could count that as a pattern. Solid. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If I had to have a pattern, I'd go for like kind of like the Hawaiian print. That's kind of my go-to. I got I own uh, a number of Hawaiian shirts. Dad on vacation. Yeah. Oh yeah. I give oh, off yeah. big dad energy on the lake in the summer. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, nice. All right. Final question: How many pairs of shoes do you own, and what's your favorite? Well, this is just kind of a layup for Brooks, of course. Um, uh, easily. Yeah, I I would say that my favorite pair of shoes that I own right now is the Nike Waffle. Um, it, really. It's, yeah, casually accepted, unlike For Brooks, because, sure. you know, For Brooks sure. are like you're comfortable. Yep. Um, obviously, Brooks have the Nike waffle in every comfort. Every pair of Brooks I own is more comfortable than my Nike waffles, but the waffles are just enough comfort, and they give you that element of fashion that the Nike waffle is probably yeah. my favorite shoe I own right now. Yeah. yeah. How many pairs of shoes you got, like, in rotation? Um, <laughs> well, you wear you know, quite a few different shoes. Yes. Um. 
I, I wore a pair of dress shoes today. I have duck boots, vans, uh, like five pairs of Brooks. Um, I have uh, the Flyknit. Uh, oh my God. Why, the Vapor Fly. No, not the Vapor Max. Fuck. Yeah. Couldn't Vapor think Max. of it. Um, You've got some Pegasus. Yeah, I, I have sometimes. a lot of shoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have pegs as well. Yeah. Do you like the peg? I've, I've really only got three in rotation. Um, if I'm going comfort, I'm easily taking a pair of glycerins for sure. Brooks glycerins for sure. Yeah. Uh, my everyday wearer is this same pair of ultra boosts. I'll just, okay. You know, look, I'm going to grab my ultra boosts. Uh, if you'll entertain the people for a second. Yeah. And I need you people to see how disgusting these ultra boosts are. I've wrecked them. Yeah. See that, that's the thing about ultra boosts is like, People can just wear those things and, and they're they're Yeah, they're like a hundred close to two hundred dollars. But like I would say that there is an argument for the Ultra Boost to be our generation of shoe. I, I like look at these things. I, I remember I was with him when he bought the motherfuckers. <laughs> those things are probably still as comfortable as when you bought them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look at that. This this little crack here fills up with water if it's been raining. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it also makes a horrible sound on the ground. Yeah, these are my these are the everyday wears. These are the beaters. I love these things Ow. to death. Uh for just like a casual wear cuz they like they go with everything. First of all, they glow in the dark. Um which I didn't notice until I got home after I bought them. Um <laughs> so those are the everyday wear and then I've also got um uh React Infinity uh in the uh, rotation as well. I don't have the newest ones because for the longest time I couldn't find a 14, which also makes buying shoes hard. Uh, oh, actually I have four shoes in rotation. So I have the infinity runs, I have the glycerins, I have the ultra boosts. And then uh, Nathan got me some Yeezy foam runners that I like to wear around the house. Oh, nice. Yeah. Those are sick. I love that. Um, did you hear what I told the people about the ultra boost? I heard, the, I heard kind of the end all? of it where you said that they might be the shoe of our generation. Yeah, I, I would I say so. It like there is something about a white pair of Ultra Boosts oh, that are amazing. completely trashed yeah. that you see all the time. Yep, it's that in Air and, Force. And that's yeah, yeah, and Air Forces. And, and dude, the Ultra Boost it, it has a shout for probably the most durable shoe of all time. Maybe I repped that hole in those Ultra Boosts a little early on. I also have an oddly shaped foot, but um, yeah, it, it was uh. It was interesting. I liked that question. That was very fun to go through. Um, that was a good one. All right. Well, that's it. That's the final question. So um, if you guys would like to be included in questions time, make sure you join the the subreddit, 2ND, A-N-D, short, and um, put in your questions. As long as you get them to us before about 4 o'clock on Thursdays, we'll get to you. Um, Luke, thank you for coming on. Of course, I always requ or, uh, request. No. That's not what I was going to say. I respect and appreciate your presence, and uh, I respect and appreciate you right now that I'm pointing deep into your eyes with you. Kind of, I'm trying to do the Uncle Sam. I got to line it up. Yeah, you. <laughs> I want you to like, subscribe, comment on the YouTube, turn on notifications, and then head over to the podcast platform, or if you're already there and you hear me deep in your ears, hypnotizing you. I'm not going to do it again like I did last week, but 
You already know what to do because I told you to do it last week. You're going to rate five stars. You're going to follow us on the podcast platform. Then you're going to go to the link tree. You can find it just about everywhere that we have anything that you could be in taking this episode from. And you're going to follow us on all those social media platforms, which also happen to be right below us here. Um, Luke, enjoy the NFL honors tonight and uh, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the Super yep, Bowl. I'm just going to. You fade into the, the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we will catch you guys next week. Remember, come back on Monday for me and Colin's reactions to the Super Bowl. Peace.